You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Taking a walk. So I started going to New York for sessions. Um, like my very first recording session was G.E. Smith on guitar and uh, Sean Pelton was on drums. It was at the Philip Glass Studios. Uh, and again, you don't you don't have any idea at that time that that's not normal. Uh, later on, I realized it it wasn't necessarily you know what happens typically. And it was just a golden experience. Welcome to the Taking a Walk podcast, music history on foot. Join Buzz Knight, your host on this episode, with Chevy Smith. Chevy is a producer, a singer-songwriter, and the co-founder of a unique music discovery app called The Ultimate Playlist. Let's join Buzz Knight and Chevy Smith now on Taking a Walk. Well, Chevy, it's so nice to have you on a virtual edition of uh, Taking a Walk. I feel like I'm walking the streets of Nashville, even though I'm outside of Boston. I feel like we're doing that, too. Thank you so much for having me on. And it's it's fun to take a virtual walk with you. And then when you come to town, we'll have to take a, an actual actual walk. It's kind of magic season here. The, the autumn in Nashville is very beautiful. I love it. So tell me about your career background first. All right. Well, uh, I, I come from the performer, artist, songwriter, um, producer side of things. So I was quite young when I started. Um, I started piano at four, uh, but more just like for discipline. You know, um, my parents just, it, 
I could either be in dance or piano and I chose dance and then they were like, we can't afford that. So you're going to play piano. <laughs> and, uh, and that, that ended up being very fortuitous. Uh, started playing guitar around 10, just kind of just had a propensity for it, loved it. And I grew up, um, in the middle of nowhere. I grew up in the, in a wheat field in Kansas. And so I would ride my horse around by myself. It was very like idyllic and we'd go for a swim in the pond and I'd make up a song. And, and fortunately I kind of had the uh, foundation to put music to that. So kind of as early as I was interested in music, it never really occurred to me that I wouldn't make my own. I mean, I, of course, was a huge fan of, you know, my mom played a ton of like Linda Ronstadt and Emmy Lou and, and kind of that beautiful, you know, troubadour AM radio situation. Um, so really, really wonderful influences, but started writing quite early. And, you know, it was definitely pre-digital. And so I had two clock radios at home. And we kind of like dub back and forth. I was trying to do my own like four track recorder um, because I didn't have one, but I knew I wanted to layer sounds. And um, that really, I kind of made whatever, you know, the the like wilderness version of a mixtape was. Uh, and that found its way to a producer in New York uh, named John Nicola, who actually ended up being super legitimate is still a great friend and and you know kind of guiding force in my life today uh he was coming off the success of the dirty dancing soundtrack he wrote time of my life and hungry eyes and um was working with a band called Kara's flowers at the time who then became maroon five and so he was uh just profoundly um generous in the fact that he didn't didn't steamroll over me even though he had all the experience and i was you know a 14 year old kid from the middle of kansas um at first he would record me to a click and then would take it back and build tracks and that started getting interest because this was still the the traditional label world you know and um actually from that rosemary carroll who was a uh, still, still is a big attorney um, in the rock world. Heard that, and she started. Um, you know, she called and and wanted to help and and represent me at the time. And so the songs really kind of were what garnered the attention. And then also, you're just crazy fearless at 14. You don't know, you know, like you're like, oh, this is of course this is happening this way, you know. So I was just incredibly. I look back, just bold in the ways that I I as a kid, you just ask for what you want. And I, I wanted to do this so bad. I couldn't think straight, you know, like my whole world was just this Chiron of like songs running above my head that I would like reach up and grab and, you know, and, and create. And so I started going to New York for sessions. Um, like my very first recording session was GE Smith on guitar and, uh, Sean Pelton was on drums. It was at the Philip Glass studios, uh and again you don't you don't have any idea at that time that that's not normal uh later on i realized it it wasn't necessarily you know what happens typically and it was just a golden experience i mean it was it, i learned so much everybody was so nice like sean pelton teached me or, or taught me to uh eat sushi like you know he, he he was from missouri and so he was like i bet you're from kansas i've never had had sushi so it's just kind of was like this time of 
of discovery. And I was really also fortunate because obviously I was like this kid and and there were all, I was working with primarily, you know, older men in their like thirties and forties, but they really all were very protective and not, you know, any of the stories that you hear like that wasn't, wasn't my path through it necessarily. I really lucked out and had these incredible educators and, and kind of protective folks looking out for me. Um, and we started getting interest. And so, uh, that, that project was passed to Nashville, which was just kind of coming out of this, like, I mean, obviously it's always been like songwriter Mecca, but there was still a path of like Mary Chapin Carpenter and Lucinda Williams and, and kind of this, um, I guess what would now be Americana was, uh, was kind of more of a mainstream there for a second. And Universal was interested and they'd had all this success with Shania and I was, you know, bubbly and smiley and, and, you know, like there was a real propensity to kind of want to, want to take it a real mainstream direction, which now as an adult, I, I totally get, you know, and it probably was, was the right, uh, I guess, instinct on their part. Uh, but I was like, I'm brooding, I'm Patty Griffin. I'm, you know, like I, I thought that I was so like heavy and, you know, and, and wanted to, uh, to kind of do my own thing. And so this guy, Frank Kalari was starting Lost Highway at the time. So like we flirted around with doing something with that and ultimately ended up doing an independent record with my publisher at the time. And they let me produce it and kind of got to go in and, at that time you could you could hire you know i I had dan dugmore come in and play on all of my sessions and would i would hire him as a leader so that i'd get him for like six hours in an overdub session and then just like grill him about heart like a wheel or you know like i was just kind of in heaven as a like little audiophile who just wanted to be in a studio and so the the people that i worked with at the time you know, Steve Marcantonio had been in on Beatles sessions and the the main engineer producer who really like helped me out and and let me sit in on so many sessions was this guy Chip Matthews, who's now having crazy success. He produced all the Luke Combs stuff. So, you know, he's like, uh, it's it's just I've really lucked out on my path to really be um able to spend time with so many geniuses and you know people who are very generous with with teaching me things so i made a couple records i toured colleges mostly i would play like over 200 shows a year um which uh, you couldn't have told me anything was better at the time you know i would go play colleges and then um i would open shows like you know my agents at the time would put me on the front of a run a shows of Tim McGraw or like Kenny Chesney and like these country guys I did like I I opened for Shaggy on a number of like on the run you know it was like looking back you're clear you're like they had nobody knew kind of what I was doing including me I just was like you know very ambitious and willing and and excited about it um so yeah so I did that and kind of figured out that I probably wasn't heading or veering more in the direction of mainstream country at the time. And I really was um, lit up and fired up about Los Angeles. So 
I, uh, I kind of cut ties here and, and moved out there. Um, and, you know, you look back and you're like, oh, I was probably a little bit like reckless or a little more dramatic than I, I needed to be. Um, but I was like, you know, going out there to, to do the thing and, and, um, had, had some good things happen right off the bat, but then, um, had kind of some injuries that I won't get into, but had, had kind of some barriers, um, that really changed things. And so I ended up having to go through a series of surgeries that meant I couldn't go on the road. And, and it was like a really, uh, kind of, uh, 180 time for me. I went from really being bold to really like not, uh, feeling confident or, you know, capable or strong, um, to do these things. And so I kind of withdrew, um, and just, I also at that time was 25 and I've been working since I was 13, you know, on my own volition, my parents had nothing to do with it. They made me, uh, emancipate to sign any contracts. Cause they're like, you're a kid, you don't need to work, you know, <laughs> like you just need to like, you know, play your sports or play your guitar and enjoy school. But I, I was the one that really, really pushed it. And, you know, by 25, I was, I was kind of burnt, you know, like I was just exhausted and a little, um, you know, disillusioned by the whole thing. And I ended up, um, moving up to Topanga Canyon and, uh, just, you know, North of LA. And it really was this beautiful, like calmness that I hadn't had in a long time. And I started teaching guitar just to make, money um and and just kind of didn't do any shows just was trying to figure out you know what the next i guess turn would look like and that ended up turning into this beautiful um kind of inadvertently created this education program uh that focused on songwriting and so we had like 120 girls across la and this program writing songs, sometimes based upon poems. Um, and it really, uh, was just kind of this, you know, really innocent, just beautiful era of life where it was, I was able to reconnect with who I had started out being, you know, wanting to write songs. Um, but within that time I started getting, um, contacted to produce cause I'd produced my own stuff. And I think just certain people had kind of earmarked that maybe I had a, you know, a interest in that. And I started producing stuff for uh, like TV promos and, and, you know, trailers and those sorts of things uh, because I could, you know, I just had like a little setup like this and ended up kind of having a fun journey through that. And, and that really suited me at the time because you, it was so anonymous, you know, you just kind of, get a call to create something and create it that afternoon and send it out and see if it worked. And, uh, so yeah, so I, I kind of ended up, uh, working with some people that I'd really admired for a long time. You know, like there was this producer up there named Jack Knife Lee, who he and his family have now become some of my dearest friends, but they, um, you know, I, I ended up being able to kind of have him be a mentor and, and watch how he worked. Um, and he'd produce some of my favorite records of all time, or just across the river was Ryan Oliate, who was, uh, who did the last like five petty records. And, um, 
So I would go over there and he was remastering um, the uh, Wildflowers album. So he had all the stems. So we would just sit in there and he'd just let me listen to just like Ferroni's just uh, snare on You Don't Know How It Feels, you know? And just like, it was, for for me, it like nothing could have been better. It was It was a heavenly, wonderful time. So yeah, so I just kind of ended up more behind the scenes and kind of just being a conduit. I love working with younger artists. A lot of times female artists who are maybe have been like, pushed and pulled in a lot of directions somehow end up with me. Cause I think I can kind of uh, relate in a way that, that you only can if you've, you know, been there. And uh, so, yeah, so I, I've kind of just built this, it's a pretty low key, you know, music career so far. Um, but it, it seems to keep building and going down these little tributaries and it's, it's fun. How did the tributary uh, get created of uh, ultimate playlist? Ultimate Playlist was born out of necessity and just curiosity, to be honest. So I'd started um, a development, an arts development company with uh, my now business partner, the brilliant man named Khalid Jones, uh, who is a Stanford-educated lawyer. He uh, was one of the first in- people to own an esports team, like a really innovative uh, thinker. And he also had a background in hip-hop and as an incredible writer himself. And so we had partnered up because I knew that I wanted um, kind of a business structure to this artist development that I was doing. And I thought he would, was just a fantastic resource to offer to the artists that we were, were working with and um, just has so many innovative ideas. But as we would kind of finish certain songs and want to put them out, we face the same quandary that everybody faces of like, oh, wow, there's at that time, there were like 40,000 songs a day going to Spotify. Now it's well over 100,000 songs a day. And just that whole thing of you're looking at this kid that made their song and it's really good. And you're like, well, I'm not sure how (laughs) we're going to get this heard, you know, and, and it was such a different process than even when I'd come out with my indie records. And so as we looked at the different options of kind of how to tried to promote, we came up with, you know, there's like playlist pushing and that is kind of a little opaque and can be a little risky. And it's not, you know, something that we wanted to necessarily spend our money on. And I think like offhand at one point, I was like, you know, I'd feel more comfortable if we went down to Staples Center during a Billie Eilish concert and just asked these girls to listen to 30 seconds of the song. You know, if you if we could just get them to listen, I think our retention rate would be higher than 5%. And I think we'd get like this many like actual dedicated fans. And, and um, you know, he certainly agreed. And at the time he was doing consulting work for the Arizona Lottery and knew about some of the pain points that they had in offering online games or mobile games. Um, as well as reaching a younger audience. And so while he and I were working around with gamification um, and kind of taking that, you know, Billie Eilish hand everybody a dollar bill, we kind of took that the step further and we're like, why would we hide the ball? Like if people are paying for a promotion, why would those promotion dollars be stopped at a middleman? What if they just passed through and just, we didn't hide the ball. We didn't pretend like this wasn't paid promotion but really offered that incentive to the end listener. 
Uh, and that that was really the utility that we kept coming back to. And he knew uh, that the lottery would have a need for that utility as well, that for them to gain the users and the younger user base and to be in that mobile space was worth it to them in the same way that it would be advantageous to an artist to have that listener incentivized to give their song a long listen. So in a world of TikTok of six second listens, this actually incentivizes the player or the listener of who is participating on the app, they get rewarded more the longer they listen. So the longer they give that song a chance, uh, the more chances they have to uh, win one of the cash prizes. So it's not pretending that um, that there's not a uh, an exchange involved, you know. And I think, I mean, certainly your background in radio, you know, we all know like there's there's always an exchange involved, and it's not even a dishonest one. It's just like that's business, you know. And so we really uh, kind of just got excited about the idea because it's something we would have wanted to use. And that was that was about as, as simple as it gets. Do you see applications around what you're building here that could apply to the traditional radio business? I mean, we actually are our licensing categoriz- categorization is streaming internet radio. So we're just incentivized, like we're the same as uh we're not at interactive streaming radio. So we're the same as Pandora. So it really is just incentivized radio. And it's not, you know, we were just issued a patent for the utility. So there is something very novel there. But we also recognize that the tale is as old as time. This is the same as listen to the third song and be the fifth caller. You know, I mean, that you were, we've always been incentivizing people to listen. Um, You know, it was listened through commercials so that, you know, the station gets paid and then that's passed on through. This is just really a directness that we can offer because of the technological age we live in. You know, I, I don't think that um, the it just wouldn't have been practical to run a contest like this without the tokenization and the, the way that we're able to offer it within our app. Um but it certainly builds upon and plays upon and as a nod to traditional radio and kind of what we grew up loving about it, which was, you know, like I, I think I taped every favorite song I ever had off of the radio. And, you know, I was always winning concert tickets or trying to, you know, um, with the, the caller thing. So this is kind of the same concept. We'll be right back with more of the Taken a Walk podcast. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. 
With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com iHeart. That's LifeLock.com iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Welcome back to the Taking a Walk podcast. You know, frankly, the radio business needs to take a look at itself in the mirror and utilize new opportunities of technology and innovation. Well, I love hearing you say that. That's one of the, uh, we, we literally just had our patent published last week. Um, it was actually issued in August, but as we go to build upon that, that's you know, we we certainly see a lot of use cases for the underlying utility and ultimate playlist serves as a use case and an example. Um, but, you know, you look at the TV streamers and like market share is all tapped out, you know, as, as many people who is, can afford as many subscriptions, everybody has them, you know, there's no, at least in the US, there's no people to go get who don't already have access to Netflix or to Hulu or whoever. And so as streamers in television and podcasting in music, obviously start looking at ways to leverage technology to get more market share. Um, we feel they're probably going to look to gamification and look to incentivize listening or watching or, you know, this attention economy that we hear about, uh, this this really kind of puts a a format and a payoff structure to that. And so, you know, we're really hopeful that we're going to be able to take this technology to to many other 
platforms and and hopefully have it uh, you know translate. So as you think about innovation and think about your process uh, in innovation, um, what has failure taught you about growing uh, this this brand? Oh man, let me think for a moment. I mean, there, there's obviously technology and and working like leading a development company now, and you know I have engineers that I'm talking with all day every day. Uh, the lottery doesn't shut down on weekends. So, you know, on a Saturday night at 10.30, I might be working with an artist and I duck out to go talk to my, you know, programmers. And so it's it's uh, taught me that everything is iterative. You know, like we in the music industry, there's like, once it's final, it's final, you know, and you you have this kind of end point with technology, there's no setting and going like you, as soon as we get the performance of the app optimized, Apple will change one permission setting and we'll have to go and iterate around that. And so there's just so many levels and so many frequencies um, that have to blend well at the same time. So I think it, uh, if you're striving to be a perfectionist, um, or striving for this endpoint where you're on top of the mountain and you're like, I really did it. Like <laughs> it's perfect. Like you're going to be very, very disappointed. And I think, uh, I'm in life in general, that's just always a valuable lesson to know that like it's iterative, we're improving, we're trying to make it as, as great as possible. I think the other thing that, um, you know, the, the failure, I, the definition of failure is a very hard thing for me to understand now. Like, it's almost like I can't, I look back at things that I thought were failures at the time and they don't, they don't warrant that label now, you know, it was like, oh no, that was like, that just bumped me into a different lane or, oh, that's where I learned about how to do wireframes that turned out to be really useful or like, oh, that, you know, it's, I, I think already I'm just seeing the the beautiful path through it all and just knowing that um feeling something as a failure at the time is a really uh impermanent thing who taught you about resilience and who taught you about leadership oh wow um resilience i think it is as deep in my bones as my morrow you know like my grandfather my dad's dad was born in a brothel and he was never knew his father he did not have a name until he was eight years old and was the most joyful ambitious man there could be you know and so i think having so many and and he's just one of you know my family are like they're farmers, they're carpenters, they're people who build things, they're people who plant things. And then you wait and you put in the work and you're steadfast. And nobody, I didn't come from a, you know, showbiz, like you better like be shiny and that means success sort of background. Um, I remember the first, like I won some contest and the the prize was I got to sing on the Grand Ole Opry. And I remember before we walked in my dad being like now we are not people who are particularly impressed by fame and all of this and 
I remember, because I was kind of a smart aleck, being like, well, speak for yourself. I am so impressed by this. I was dazzled, you know, but like that always stuck with me that my family does not, they don't, they want me to be happy. You know, they want to see me win, but they're like, there is no uh, achievement or sash I could wear around you know, my body that would make them love me more or less, you know, and there's, they just don't quantify it as that at all. They are like, go hard and what you believe in at the time, that's success. So within that resilience is just like, well, like, what are my options? Like, if I, if it's not perfect, do you quit? No, like, I don't, I don't have that kind of, I don't have anything to fall back on, you know, in the, in the sense of like, there's no, like, nobody's coming to save me because I don't need to, you know, like, you don't need to be saved. Like, you're fine. Just keep, keep walking, like, keep, you know, going out what it is. And, and if at the end of the time you, you pass and you didn't like, again, stand on top of that mountain, like, it doesn't matter a hill of beans worth of difference, you know, like, no, like, were you kind, you know, did you have integrity, that sort of thing. So I think the resilience part is just like, keep going, like, enjoy your life. Don't, uh, like success is the getting back up the resilience. Uh, as far as leadership, uh, I think it's all these fantastic people I was able to work with when I was young, you know, I look back and they were all history makers. You know, my first publisher was Celia Froelich, who was one of the first women in Nashville to run a major. She ran EMI publishing and she made so many songwriters careers and did it, you know, Dolly Parton style and four inch heels and just being, you know, she wasn't, she didn't alter how she conducted herself for the business. Like the business came to her and, and she just was a true individual um, you know, same, I, I think as far as producing records, Jack Knife Lee, I've learned a ton, you know, from, from him and he works with obviously, you know, the U2s of the world and these really like strong, you know, like behemoth bands and, and, but knows how to like guide them with, with a grace, you know, and, and how to get the end result they want. There's a, a friend of mine named Troy Valhoffer who runs one of the biggest staging companies like production in in the world you know they do all the staging for Metallica or the Chili Peppers and these you know huge like undertakings and just watching how like his excitement and the fact that he's he cares so much about the details and the the pulling off the big circus you know and and kind of seeing how all these people uh have been true individuals and them being true to themselves and, and being excited when they're excited, dressing the way they want, you know, kind of following their own instincts, um, I think has impacted whatever leadership style I, I might have. So where do you see the future of music and technology down the road? And where do you see in that road where ultimate playlist fits in okay well uh the future of music and technology i think it's it's exciting uh because there's just going to be 
infinitely more music made, you know, and I, I just for the like wellness of the world as a whole, if we're all kind of have access to creative tools and outlets, I think that results in a net positive, better world, you know? So I think on a macro level, that's very exciting. Um, in terms of music, I think we're just becoming, it's, it's becoming more fragmented. I actually had a discussion, um, with my friend Jay Knowles, who is a brilliant songwriter, and he was down in, in uh, New Orleans working on this project uh, that I was producing last week. And we were having this discussion about like a certain artist. And I would, we were like, is she famous or is she not? Like, do we just know about her? Or does like the world know about her? And we realized, you know, we were talking about how there's just such a, a niche, you know, like you can be a huge TikTok star and somebody who listens to radio doesn't know you exist, but there's still an economy for you. And I think that's, what's really exciting is there where once there were maybe two lanes. Now it is a 16 lane freeway and you can kind of mix and match to your strengths, um, how you're going to conduct your career within that. So I think there's a tremendous amount of opportunity. I think that, uh, there's going to be less superstars just inherently like the economy cannot support uh there being as many as there once was i think we're going to have a lot more um kind of what would be considered now mid-level stars and i love that i mean i want a middle class of of artists again is a is a great economy um to support so within that ultimate playlist um hopefully we continue to grow and become a resource for growing that sort of career. You know, one of the the things that we offer when an artist chooses to have their song on ultimate playlist, they, they pay a very affordable small fee to have the appearance on the playlist. And again, that money passes through. So their potential fans are the ones rewarded by that investment. In turn, they get a data set back. So they're able to really understand how their song is performing. And some of the streamers are not incentivized to give that information to the artist or to the manager. So knowing that we can provide them with a data set that helps them make smarter decisions um, or decisions that will advantage them in touring, perhaps. You know, if they see their songs doing really well in the Southeast with you know, men between the ages of 30 and 50, like they're going to plan a tour slightly different with that information. It would be cost pro prohibitive for them to go just independently commission that study. So what we're really able to do is give data and also present them to real live human fans. You know, this is, there is not a bot farm in Scandinavia that is accounting for the the promotional streams on our platform it is u.s citizens who could potentially buy a hard ticket and come you know to to your show so we just really want to you know be the the levi's or the picks and axes in the gold rush you know and and really be a tool that is artist friendly um that really supports the working class artists and gives them access to the same tools that major artists with huge teams would have well, your story and your work is very inspiring, and um, oh, thank you. I could promise you, um, when this publishes, uh, I'll be hearing from people telling me that who are either in the business or thinking of the business. I, I know for a fact I'll be 
I'll be getting that feedback. You're so kind. And uh, I'm so grateful that you uh, took the time to, to be on Taking a Walk. Well, thank you. It's so reciprocated. Thank you for the work that you do. It is so, when I'm out taking a walk, I've been listening to you. And, and I think that it's such a profoundly exciting time that we can get this kind of education and insight um, in such a, an easy and beautiful, you know, well, well curated format. So thank you for including me and for including Ultimate Playlist. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Taking a Walk podcast. Share this and other episodes with your friends and follow us so you never miss an episode. Taking a Walk is available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.